You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on August 26th, 2018. A reading from the Gospel of John. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We are blessed to live in a country where we get to make a lot of decisions for ourselves. This is part of what freedom means to a lot of us. We get to choose our leaders, or at least vote for them. We we may not always get our choice, but we get to vote for our leaders. We get to have a choice in that. We get to choose where we will live. We get to choose which job we might accept. We get to choose how we will spend our money how we will save our money, what we do with uh, our possessions, what we do with our land. We get to choose these things for ourselves, and a lot of that is because we live in the country that we live in. And it's a blessing to be able to decide for ourselves. It's something I cherish, I'm sure many of you cherish. But this blessing can also be a curse, because it also gives us the ability to make bad decisions or to choose things that aren't good for us. I remember once in high school, uh, I was in chemistry class and our chemistry teacher was, was showing us about uh, different kinds of reactions. And he showed us what happens when you take a piece of magnesium and you have it come in contact with heat. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but it's pretty spectacular. It makes a big flash of light uh, and it burns very quickly and rapidly. Uh, I think there must be magnesium in in fuses and other things like that, but uh, it's really a spectacular thing to watch. And so he had shown us this in class. We did an experiment with it. uh, And I had the opportunity, not, not, uh, I wasn't allowed to, but I had the opportunity to take a little piece of that and slip it into my pocket and bring it home with me. And I did. Now I shouldn't have done that. But when I got home, my parents were at home, my brother was home, and I wanted to share this experience with him, this thing that I had discovered in science class. But I didn't want to just 
tell him what was going to happen. That would be too boring. I wanted to, to surprise him with the experience. And so I got out a pair of tongs and I, I took the little piece of magnesium out of my pocket and we stuck it in the tongs. And I said, okay, Jeff, I'm going to, to take out a match now. You hold the tongs over the sink. Okay. And so I, I did that. I lit it. And it surprised him, of course, because there was a big flash of burning light in his hands with these tongs. And so instead of leaving the tongs over the sink like I asked him to, he moved the tongs over the new countertops that my parents had just had installed, and he dropped the magnesium on the countertop, burning a hole in the surface of the counter. Thankfully, it was a very small piece of magnesium. That was the extent of the fire, but that's what happened. Now, that was a bad choice. I shouldn't have brought home the magnesium. I shouldn't have tried to, to uh, you know, surprise my brother with this, this reaction, but that's what I did. And, so, and that choice had a, a long-lasting consequence. For as long as we lived in that house, we had a hole burned in the countertop of the kitchen, the brand new kitchen. So sometimes we make choices in our life, and sometimes they're bad choices. And that's part of the freedom that we have. When we use our freedom, we can use our freedom for good, and we can also use our freedom for purposes that are not so good. And in the gospel passage that we just read today, we heard about some people who had responded to Jesus' teaching and decided to turn away, to not continue following Jesus. And these were disciples of Jesus. That's what the, the scriptures call them today. He says, it says some of his disciples heard it, and they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? This is a hard saying, who can listen to it? And so they turned away that day. They walked away from Jesus. We talked about this a little bit last week, and if you're curious about what it was that, that caused them to turn away from Jesus, you can refer to the sermon from last week. It's on our website, and you can listen to it or read the, the sermon notes. Today we're going to talk more generally about uh, hard things about the gospel, hard things about following Jesus, and yet we still need to make a choice to follow him or not to follow him. And there are lots of reasons why people might be offended by the message of the gospel. These people in the gospel passage today were offended by Jesus' teaching. Jesus even responded to them saying, do you take offense at this? Do you take offense at this? So what are some things that cause people to be offended by the gospel even today? Well, I think many of the reasons have to do with our lifestyles and our desire to keep doing things that we enjoy, things that we fear we might have to give up if we follow Jesus. And there are certainly some things that may be required of us, life changes that we might have to make when we choose to follow Jesus. But I think there's also a misconception going on, a misconception that the Bible is against fun and against enjoyment in life. And this is far from the truth, because God loves for us to enjoy his creation. God enjoys his creation, and he made us to enjoy his creation. And the things that he's set up in the scriptures, the boundaries he's given us, are actually to help us better enjoy his creation, this world that he's given us to live in. Some might see the moral teaching of the Bible as burdensome and may see it as interfering with their freedom and autonomy. And it is true. When we follow Jesus, our freedom does become limited. But we're choosing to follow Jesus, to be limited by the one who created us, rather than to be limited by the boundaries that this world gives us. So we're exchanging one kind of freedom for another. Freedom to sin 
versus the freedom that we found, find in Christ to live. Another reason people might react out of offense is because the message of Jesus brings us face to face with the wrongdoing in our lives and reminds us that we are not as good as we would like to think that we are. Now, there are two different ways to see goodness. The way a lot of us see goodness, the way we prefer to see goodness, is as a relative thing. We do this by comparing ourselves to others. And so we look at, you know, Adolf Hitler, we look at a mafia hitman, and we compare ourselves to the baddest of the bad, and we say, well, I must be pretty good. (coughs) Right? But God sees goodness in a different way. When you go to Home Depot and you need some paint, all the paint comes in white, right? If you pick up any of those paint cans, take it off the shelf and open it up, all of them are going to be white. And so if you want your paint to have color in it, you have to tell the person at the counter which color you want, and then they go over to their machine and they they plug in your color number, and it shoots a couple squirts of pigment into your paint. Now, it is literally just a couple drops of paint, pigment. It really doesn't change the volume of the paint in the can at all. And yet, this tiny little bit of pigment can change the entire can of paint to brown, to red, to blue, to some very dark, deep colors, all from just a little bit of pigment being added to that white paint. And that's the way it is, truly, with our own goodness before God, our own righteousness before God. We stand before God as pure and white until even a little bit of sin enters our life. And sin simply just means missing the mark. That's what the the Greek word for sin is all about. It's an archery term, and it means you didn't hit the bullseye. You're, You're off a little bit from what God had called you to do. And so even just a little bit of sin taints the righteousness that we have before God, just like a little bit of pigment taints the entire can of paint. Before God, even just a little bit of sin makes us no longer righteous. And so when we look in the scriptures about what God's counsel is about goodness and righteousness, we hear these words in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's no one who's excluded from this. I'm a sinner. You are a sinner. All of us are sinners, and all of us stand before God with this taint of sin upon us. None of us is good before God. Because the standard is God's righteousness. And if we fall short in even just a little bit, we are a sinner the whole way. So these are different reasons why some might be offended by the message of the scriptures. We might not want to follow the lifestyle of the scriptures, or we may be offended by being confronted with the fact that we are not, in fact, good, as we think we are. But then we have to ask, what other options are there? A little bit later, after all these other disciples turn away, Jesus turns to Peter Peter was sort of like the the lead disciple. He was one of Jesus' inner circle, his closest three disciples. And he turns to Peter and he says, are you going to go away too? And Peter's response, if you heard it, was, 
Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Essentially, he was saying, what other option is there? We could turn away from you, but then we'd be left with nothing. Because the relationship that he had found with Jesus was more precious to him than anything else. And he was willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. He was willing to accept whatever teaching Jesus had, as hard as it might be, because he had found a treasure in the message of Jesus. He had found a treasure in following him as his rabbi, as his teacher, as his leader. And the blessing of Jesus is that he is the one good option among countless bad ones. Literally, the the number of options to Jesus is infinite. But Jesus is the one good option among all of the bad ones. And so why is Jesus a good option? What is so special about Jesus? Well, for one thing, Jesus is slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. We all stand as not good before God. All of us stand with that mark of sin upon us, marred and tainted against righteousness. But Jesus is quick to forgive, and he's slow to anger. In the book of Exodus, this is how God describes himself. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, God is describing himself, and he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who God is. He's slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. And if you heard that, it also says that he will always love us and he will never leave us. That's what faithfulness means, isn't it? God is always faithful. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Because God is always faithful to us. He's always right there by our side. He never leaves us. He's always with us. And when we turn to him, he's never further than just turning towards him. You don't have to go down the street to find him. You don't have to go across the country to find him. He's always right there, right next to you. Always faithful. Always loving. Think about the best, most loving marriage you have ever observed. I think most of us can think of at least one marriage that we've seen where the husband and wife just loved each other so much and were completely faithful to one another. And that's the picture that God wants us to have of his love for us. We read in Ephesians about the relationship of husband and wife and how this one flesh union, this coming together, this perfect love and faithfulness between a husband and a wife, not the the negative pictures that we sometimes see from imperfect marriages, but the true one flesh union of a husband and a wife truly loving each other. And St. Paul says, by this, he refers to Christ and the church. That Jesus loves us so much that it's like the most perfect marriage you could ever think of. So Jesus is slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. He always loves us. He never fails us. He's always faithful. He has our best interests in mind. And then finally, And there's more that we could list. But finally, he wants us to have abundant life. In the Gospel of John, just a little bit after this, in in chapter 10, Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And who doesn't want abundant life? I think that's part of what we're all looking for, is a full life, a rich life, a rewarding life. 
And that's what Jesus offers us. Abundant life. Not just a little bit of life, but abundant life. Overflowing life. So those are some of the reasons why Jesus is so good. Why he is really the only good option. Jesus. So let's talk about that forgiveness a little bit more. Jesus is slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. What we read in Romans is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if we read just into the next verse, it says, and we are justified by his grace as a gift. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. What does that mean? It means that even though all of us is tainted by sin, none of us is righteous before God. None of us is good before God. There is one who stands before God as good, and that is Jesus. And what Jesus did is he took himself. He, was, he is God. He chose to enter into creation. He choose, chose to take on human flesh, and he chose to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin so that our sin can be wiped away so that we can once more stand before God as righteous and holy. Have you ever tried to unpigment a can of paint? Have you ever tried that? No, because it's impossible. That's why at Home Depot and at Lowe's, they have a whole section that's the oops section of paint. You can get paint for super cheap if you're willing to compromise on the color a little bit, because these are colors that they messed up on. They put the wrong pigment in the can, and once you do that, there's no way you can unpigment the paint. But that's what Jesus is able to do for us. Because he lived a sinless life, because he is God, because he sacrificed himself on the cross, he is able to unpigment our paint. He's able to take away the stain of sin that's on each of us and to restore us to pure white goodness, righteous before God, if we're willing to accept what he offers us. But there's a decision to make. We have to choose to invite him into our lives. He's not going to force himself on us. He's not going to force his forgiveness on us. He's not going to force his righteousness on us. He wants us to choose him. And when, he does, when we do, he offers himself to us in all of its fullness, with all of the abundant life that comes with it. In the book of Joshua we read this morning about the people of God in the new land that God had given them. They had been wandering in the wilderness for years. And as they were wandering through these various lands, they had started to pick up some foreign gods, some idols that were not really truly gods at all. They were creations of wood or stone or metal, things that they had carved and then set up on a a table and, and decided to worship them as gods, even though they were things of their own creation. And this is something that's not a good thing if you're following God, because God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share the attention. He doesn't want to share the glory and share the worship with things that we have made or things from his creation, because God is the only one who's truly deserving of those things. And so Joshua challenges the people of God as they're entering into this new land to make a decision, to choose this day who you will serve, as it says in verse 15. Choose this day who you will serve. 
You can go ahead and serve these other gods of your own creation, these gods of wood and metal and stone. Or you can choose to worship and follow the Lord your God, who brought you out of slavery in Egypt, who brought you safely through the wilderness, who gave you this good and pleasant land. But you have to make a choice. Choose this day who you will serve. In saying this, Joshua knew that there were other options. They weren't good options. They weren't even real options because they were false gods, but they were options nonetheless. And so a decision had to be made. The people couldn't have it both ways. And today, there are still other religions that we can choose. There are other options. There are other gods. There are other idols in our own day. Things like money and sex and power, addictions. There are lots of things that we can choose to put in God's place. They're not good options, but they're options nonetheless. And so a decision has to be made. It's a lie to say that all religions lead to the same place. It's something that our culture wants to tell us. It's even something that our culture tells us that if we're tolerant, we would just accept the idea that that all religions are pretty much the same. But the, the lie comes from the fact that while all religions teach basic morality, the point of Christianity isn't basic morality. The point of Christianity is a relationship with God and forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. The ability to untaint our can of paint. That's what we find in Jesus. And so all religions might teach some form of morality, but not all religions lead back to God because we were all made for God. St. Augustine said that our souls are restless until we find our rest in God because God is the one thing, the one person, the one being for whom we were made. And so until we plug ourselves into God, we will find ourselves chasing after all kinds of other things in this world because we can't truly find rest and peace apart from him. And so Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus himself says that there is no other way besides him. And so we can look to Jesus as a great moral teacher. We can put him in that box, but that's not the box he puts himself in. And so if we're going to accept what Jesus has to say about morality, if we're going to accept the forgiveness that he offers us, we also have to accept what he says about himself. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to God, no one comes to the Father except through him. All other roads, all other religions, all other things that we put up in the place of God are all roads to destruction. They're all paths of our own choosing. And all of them lead to a place where we're eternally separated from God. And that's what we mean when we talk about hell. People come up with all kinds of pictures of what hell looks like, all kinds of punishments. And I'm not talking about hell to scare you, but truly the one worst thing about hell is that we are eternally separated from the one source of life that we have from the one thing that can satisfy us. We are eternally separated from God. And that's what hell is all about. It's our choice to live our life eternally apart from God. Eternally unsatisfied. And that would make us eternally miserable. But it's a road of our own choosing. 
deep down our hearts all long for God. As I said before, we were made for Him. And we will be restless and unsatisfied until we find our way safely back to Him. And yet, we so often continue to try and satisfy us, satisfy ourselves with things that can't possibly satisfy us. We've been having some really hot weather recently. And when you go outside in the middle of the afternoon at 3 o'clock and it's 95 or 100 degrees out there and you spend any amount of time out there, you start to become really thirsty. And so what I'm looking for when I'm really thirsty is a nice cold glass of dirt. Absolutely not. That's not going to satisfy me. And truly, even like the the sugary drinks and all the other options you could drink, even coffee, and I love coffee, but at 3 o'clock on a hot afternoon in the summer in Florida, that's not going to satisfy me. What I really want is an ice-cold glass of water, the one thing that can truly satisfy my thirst. And God is the one true thing that can satisfy our spiritual hunger. He's the one true thing that can satisfy our spiritual thirst. And he's always offering himself to us. If we look in the book of Revelation, Jesus says these words to the church. This is Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That's Jesus' invitation. He's knocking on the door. He's waiting for us to answer, but he's not going to open the door on his own. He's not going to force his way into our house. He desires to come and sit down and dine with us, but he won't do it unless we invite him in. And so he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. We will have our relationship with him restored. He will take care of the sin. He will take care of the pigment in our paint. He will make us white and righteous before God once more. But we have to invite him in. We have to choose this day who we will serve. And only you can make that decision for yourself. Your parents can't make it for you. Your friends can't make it for you. You have to choose for yourself who you're going to serve. Whether you'll follow Jesus or follow something else in this life. And so, when Joshua says, choose this day who you will serve, he also follows that up and says what his decision is. He says, choose this day who you will serve. And then a little bit later in the same verse, he says, as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the decision I've made. That's the decision my family has made. And it is the best decision I and anyone else could ever make. But you have to choose for yourself. So maybe you feel far from God and you want to come back to him. But maybe you're not ready yet. That's okay. Just ask God to help you to be ready. Maybe you're ready today to welcome Jesus into your life, to open that door as he's knocking and to let him come in. And we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And if you want to join in that prayer and invite Jesus to come in, please do. It's the best decision you could make. Maybe you have let Jesus into your life, but you've been walking away from him. 
Maybe you're even coming to church here each and every Sunday, but in your, in your life you're not choosing Jesus. Well, today's the day you can recommit your life to him, and you can use this prayer to recommit your life, even if you've already committed your life to him before. So let's bow our heads together, and we'll pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess my faults, my shortcomings, my sins, and rebellious acts, and I ask you to forgive me. I embrace you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for your atoning death on the cross in obedience to your Father's will to put away my sins. I enthrone you, Lord Jesus. I make you king of my life, to be in charge of every part of my life. And I ask you to indwell and empower me with your Holy Spirit so that I may live as your faithful follower from now on. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.